Welcome to the Broadcast Storm, Episode 94, Overview of DM VPNs. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Wallace, and in this episode of the Broadcast Storm, we're going to be talking about dynamic multipoint VPNs. We call that DM VPNs for short. First, though, before we get into the DM VPN part, let's just talk about VPNs in general. VPNs or virtual private networks have made it very, very cost efficient to interconnect sites over the internet and do so securely. I remember back in the 1990s, if we wanted to interconnect a couple of sites, well, we probably needed to go get some circuit like a frame relay circuit coming in or an ATM circuit or, or a dedicated T1 lease line. Those were expensive solutions to interconnect sites. Sure, the internet was there, but speeds weren't all that great. Things weren't very secure, so we didn't want to use the internet. But with the advent of VPNs, now that we have high-speed internet connectivity, we can use encryption to protect our data as it travels over the public internet. But not all VPNs necessarily do encryption. Let's talk about a couple of different VPN protocols. First, let's talk about one that does do encryption. It's IPsec, short for IP security. IPsec is going to give us confidentiality by encrypting our traffic. It's going to give us integrity, making sure that the data has not been modified in transit. It can do that using hashing algorithms. It can do authentication using a pre-shared key. It can use digital signatures. It can prevent somebody from capturing our packets and then playing those packets back in order to replicate the session that we had in progress. That's called a replay attack, and IPsec can give us protection from that replay attack by basically applying serial numbers to packets. So if packets arrive with the wrong serial numbers, if somebody captured those packets, they're not going to be trusted. So IPsec is awesome when it comes to security. There is a drawback, though. IPsec can only encapsulate unicast IP packets. And we've got a lot more traffic than just unicast IP packets. I mean, think of routing protocols. EIGRP, OSPF, RIP version 2, they use multicast to advertise route information. And multicast, broadcast, that kind of traffic does not go over an IPsec tunnel. But we can send just about any type of traffic, IP unicast, broadcast, multicast, it really doesn't matter. We can send pretty much any sort of traffic over a GRE tunnel instead of an IPsec tunnel. GRE stands for Generic Routing Encapsulation, and it can encapsulate just about anything you can imagine and send it over this tunnel that gets formed between a couple of routers. The routers appear to be adjacent to one another, even though that tunnel might be transiting many, many routers throughout an ISP or throughout the internet. It looks like those routers are adjacent thanks to this VPN tunnel that we nail up on each end. But there's a downside to GRE. GRE is not secure. It doesn't do any encryption at all. So here's the paradox we have. We want to send traffic securely across the internet and we want to have flexibility in our traffic types. We want to be able to send unicast, broadcast, multicast traffic. But IPsec, it's super secure, but it will only send unicast IP packets. GRE, very flexible, but it's not at all secure. So what do we do there? Well, the common approach is to use GRE over IPsec. Think about this. If we take our multicast, broadcast, unicast, whatever, we take our traffic and we encapsulate it inside of a GRE packet, guess what a GRE packet is? That's right. It's a unicast IP packet. We can then take that unicast IP packet, that GRE packet, and send it over an IPsec tunnel, which will do the encryption. So we get the best of both worlds. We wrap our data up in a GRE packet and send that unicast GRE packet over an IPsec tunnel. And that's the way that we can get secure communication across an untrusted network like the internet. 
And that's a great cost-efficient way to securely interconnect multiple sites within an organization. However, let's say that we had 10 different sites that we wanted to interconnect. You might remember the formula of N times N minus one and take that quantity and divide by two. That means if we had 10 sites, that would be 10 times nine is 90 divided by two is 45. That would be 45 connections, 45 VPN connections that we would have to have to fully mesh 10 sites. You see, it just doesn't scale very well. That's where DM VPN can really help us out. Because with DM VPN, we can have one site be sort of a hub in a hub and spoke topology, and we can have each of our sites form a tunnel back to that hub. And over that tunnel, those sites can send routing advertisements using OSPF, EIGRP, whatever we want to use, but those sites can communicate with one another by sending their advertisements back to the hub. But we don't want the hub to become a bottleneck. If I want to get between two remote sites, I don't want to have to go through the headquarters site to send my data. I want to be able to go directly to that other site, but I don't want to have to have a full mesh of VPN connections to do that. What DMVPN allows us to do is to bring up that connection when we need it. Let's say I'm at site A, and I just received a routing advertisement from site B for a network that I want to reach. Well, I can see that the next top IP address is the other end of a Jiri tunnel, which is not yet formed. And I need to figure out the public IP address, the IP address that I can reach over the internet that I can point to to set up a tunnel with that other remote site. Here's the way DMVPNs do that. Let's say the headquarters, that's the hub in our hub and spoke. The headquarters router can have an NHRP database. NHRP stands for Next Hop Resolution Protocol, and it maps tunnel interface IP addresses, these are probably private IP addresses, it maps those to the physical interfaces IP address that we can reach over the public internet. So I'm at site A, I want to get to a network at site B, I've received an advertisement, the next top address is this tunnel interface IP address, but it's a private IP address, I don't know how to point to that. I need a public IP address I can reach over the internet, and I want to set up a tunnel with that dynamically. Well, that's what NHRP does. It's almost like DNS when we type in a domain name. Like if you go to kwtrain.com, a DNS server is going to resolve kwtrain.com to a corresponding IP address. Well, with NHRP, we say, hey, can somebody tell me the physical interface's IP address that's associated with this tunnel interface's IP address? And that headquarters hub router is going to respond and say, oh yeah, if you want to reach that tunnel IP address, again, that's a private IP address that we cannot see from our location. If you want to reach that, you need to set up a tunnel with this publicly accessible IP address. And we do. We're able to form a tunnel between, let's say, site A and site B, and now I'm able to send traffic directly to that site. But we didn't have to pre-configure that connection. We just brought it up as needed and we found out how to bring it up by using DMVPN that relies on this NHRP protocol. And by the way, that tunnel that we just dynamically set up, the common way of setting that up is to use what we talked about a few moments ago, and that is to use GRE over IPsec. In order for this to work, we have to have MGRE, multi-point GRE interfaces set up. So we can have a single interface on our router, and it can be pointing to multiple remote tunnel destinations. So to sum up DMVPNs, if we have lots of sites we want to securely interconnect over the internet, and we don't want to have a full mesh of VPNs set up, 
because that's a lot of administrative overhead, we can use DMVPNs. We designate one router, maybe the headquarters router, as the hub in a hub and spoke topology. All the remote sites, they form a tunnel with that hub. They're able to send routing advertisements over that tunnel to one another. And if one site wants to get to another site, it saw that advertisement, but it doesn't know how to get to that next top IP address because that next top IP address in the advertisement is a private IP address. It's the other end of a tunnel we need to set up. Well, that site's going to send an NHRP request up to the hub saying, hey, what is the publicly accessible IP address that I can use to set up a tunnel so that I can get to this next hop IP address that I've received in an advertisement? Well, via NHRP, the hub's going to tell it and it's going to set up a tunnel. We're going to be doing GRE over IPsec to give us flexibility and security and we'll be able to send traffic directly from one site to the other. And that's an overview of the theory of DMVPNs. But a couple of other terms I want you to be aware of because you're going to come across these in the Cisco world. A couple of terms that build on DMVPNs are IWAN, short for Intelligent WAN, and SD-WAN, short for Software Defined WAN. IWAN really takes the concept of DMVPNs and adds some features. It allows us to do some cool things like setting up different quality of service policies on a per tunnel basis. It gives us more monitoring capabilities. And Cisco branded that as iWAN or Intelligent WAN. More recently though, Cisco has acquired a company called Viptela. And based on that Viptela acquisition, Cisco now has a service called SD-WAN, Software Defined WAN. This gets into network programmability where we can send REST messages to a controller, an SD-WAN controller that's called a vSmart controller. And this vSmart controller is taking care of the management and control plane functions of our WAN devices. It's gonna help us with scalability. It helps us monitor the performance of our VPNs. And it gives us some security features like IPS and some advanced firewall features. So think of DMVPN as being the underlying technology. Cisco added onto that with iWAN, adding some quality of service and monitoring features. And they built on top of that, making things programmable, maybe using a Python script where we can send REST representational state transfer messages to a vSmart controller, which is then going to reach out and configure multiple WAN devices based on the instructions that we're sending this vSmart controller. But if you're going to be working with iWAN or SD-WAN, I think it's critical that you understand what we've talked about in this podcast episode, that underlying technology of DMVPNs. And on that note, we'll wrap up this episode, and I look forward to spending time with you again on the next episode of The Broadcast Storm. Broadcast Storm.